Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We look behind it, too, discovering the stories, the culture, the history, and the people that make it all happen. I'm Gina Birch. And I'm Julie Glenn. Occasionally, we look right through the bottom of that Mm -hmm. wine glass at one another after we've finished a glass (laughs) or two. Uh, We do, of course, drink a little wine while we do it. Today, we're wrapping up our series on women in wine in honor of Women's History Month. It's been so much fun. We spent time with Carol. Lena Walsh, the daughter of Elena Walsh from Alto Adige, Zidanelia Archidiacono from Sonoma Coutrere, and Jane, you got the easier Yeah, names. well, I, of course. That's Thank why I, I gave you those. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea Barrett from Matera, Nicole Roulette from Chen Bleu in the Rhone Valley. And today we're returning to California, to Napa Valley, to um, head out to Oakville Ranch, where it is all about girl power. The general manager, Sheila Gentry, and winemaker, Jennifer Ruth. Thank you, ladies, for being with us. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. So speaking of girl power, besides you ladies, Oakville Ranch is owned by Mary Miner, who has a little bit of history in the winemaking business. She and her late husband, Bob, were co-founders of Oracle. And as I understand it, Oakville Ranch is the original mountain vineyard of the Oakville sub-appellation. Is that correct? That is correct. We are located on 370 acres at the top of Oakville along the Silverado Trail. So we have about a two mile driveway, uh, single lane driveway up to see us. And once you get here, it's majestic, established in the 1880s. um, And Bob and Mary Miner bought it in 1989. And this place is stunning. It's a little piece of heaven. We have 68 acres of fruit planted, all certified organic and um, primarily Cabernet growing up here. But the original house was built from rocks on the property. Oh, cool. And my office is in a Victorian that was also built in the early or late 1800s. For those listening, that's Sheila who's talking, right? Since we've got two beautiful ladies on with us. So as you said, Sheila, Oakville Ranch, it's kind of like a a hidden secret in Napa, right? It's it's a sweet spot when it comes to elevation and... um, it grows grapes that are the foundation for really some of the best wines in Napa. Is it in between Silverado and 29 or is it further in from Silverado? This is Jen and it is just off of the Silverado Trail about 1400 feet north of the Oakville Crossroad. So we're on the we're on the the eastern side of the Oakville subappellation and we're in the Vaca mountain range that helps. Which gives its name to Vacaville. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know that one. <laughs> yeah. Got cousins there. So, um, okay, now I, I just wanted to get my um, my compass all straightened out as to where I was going when I come to visit you guys. <laughs> Which is by appointment only. I, I, I know this isn't to one of those places you can just roll up on it's and say, hey, y'all, I'm here. This is Sheila. We're open by appointment and it's, um, and we're closed on weekends. I've been in the wine industry now for 26 years, and I started when I was 13. And um, we we are closed because we're a private home as well, so we leave it to the owner on weekends so Mary can enjoy it with her friends. So, Sheila, you have enough experience to know what happens on weekends, right? <laughs> so, like, Monday through Friday only, it's a business. Okay, people? 
<laughs> well, I want to hear about both of your careers. And so, Sheila, since since we're talking with you right now, um, I mean, you've been around the block in a good way. I mean, you've worked for places like Harlan and a number of wineries. How did your path lead you to Oakville? And then, Jen, we're going to ask you the same thing. So I actually started, I was born and raised in Napa. I hate it. Went to college back east in D.C. And one summer in D.C. will change your life as far as humidity is concerned. <laughs> yep. So I came back and I worked at Domaine Chandon in the restaurant when they had Etoile. And then um, for Philippe Gentil and Daniel Shanks. And then when I graduated from college, I um, worked for Bob Mondavi over at Mondavi as a cellar rat for five months and then went over to Schaefer Vineyards for five years um, and then Harlan Estate for about 11 years. And then I worked for Bill Harlan at Meadowood um, in high school as well. So I've known him for a long time. And then I came over, I was at Sloan for about three years and then Oakville Ranch and I've been here for eight. And um, I hope this is the last job I'm ever gonna have because this is truly a magical place with 750 cases of wine a year. So not a lot of people know who we are. And you mentioned Meadowood. Uh, How are things coming along there? Really got hit with the fire. They did. They lost the restaurant and um, the, the clubhouse, I guess you could say, where the restaurant and the grill were and the golf shop. Um, but they're going to rebuild. And it's my understanding that they are still, the rooms are still available. Some rooms did get, um, were lost in the fire, but. Um, it's an incredible property. I just wanted to get a little quick catch up on that, you know, the scuttlebutt yeah. around town. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to get an update to hear that they are actually rebuilding. But what we really want to focus on is you guys, even though I led us astray for a second. But tell me about Oakville, because people hear about different appellations, sub-appellations. You're kind of close to Rutherford, am I right? I mean, you, your property is not. But how would um, something like Rutherford's really well known for its dust, for example. How is Oakville different from that? So we are just south. I mean, the, the, the Oakville South Appalachian is just south of Rutherford. And, um, you know, as far as the characteristics that I see being different, having made wine from both um, Rutherford and Oakville, and, you know, Oakville Ranch in particular is, I think you called it the sweet spot, which is is a very, very good way of putting it. And um, where we are, we have, I would say, larger temperature swings. So the diurnal shift is a lot larger. So we may, you know, be, you know, in that 40 degree shift between our overnight lows and our daytime highs. I feel like that's a little bit flatter in Rutherford. And then, um, you know, specifically Oakville Ranch being a hillside vineyard, you know, when the Appalachian was created in 1993, um, Bob was actually instrumental in annexing Oakville Ranch into the Oakville sub-Appalachian. And at that time, you know, they really believed that our soils were identical to what was on sort of just that eastern side because there was an upwelling. But as a matter of fact, there was a mega slide that brought the soils from Oakville Ranch down into the valley. And when you go to vineyards like Red and to Gargiulio, you can actually see the delineation between where the dirt that used to be up at Oakville Ranch slid down and meets some more of that alluvial uh, soil that's you know coming down from the 
river wash that we get, you know, coming down the Napa River for many, many years. So did that, did uh, so that leave think, you with yeah. older soil up there? With that so yes, yeah, so our soils are older. Mm-hmm. And also just the parent material. So we are on um, andesite bedrock, uh, so volcanic bedrock soils that are what they call residual soils. So when you go up and you see, you know, you're driving up Silverado Trail and you see all those big, beautiful rocks, those are what are called core stones. And our soil is made up of decomposed, those big rocks. And that's where you get that really iron rich, those beautiful red soils that you kind of, at least when I think about Oakville, I think about those red soils. When I think about Rutherford, I think of, you know, browner, kind of more loamy type soils, you know, and there's a lot more, you know, variation even within Rutherford, but I would say um, there's a huge distinction just in the soil, you know, sort of profile that we have in Oakville versus um, other parts, which is one of the reasons why it's a sub-appellation. I've actually had that experience at Gargiulo where he, he'll show you the dirt and the different uh, soil. I shouldn't say dirt. I've been corrected so many times and I still always <laughs> see dirt. When he shows you the different soils from the, that, there's a very definite line of demarcation along that property where you can see the difference. So what would you say is imparted in your wine from the soils where you are as far as how it comes out in a bottle? I would say it's, it's there's a savory quality to it. So um, where, you know, we talk about Rutherford dust and sort of this, this you know, this, this sort of dusty um, earth kind of quality to it. Um, there's a freshness and a sort of almost salinity or sort of savory quality to the wines. I would say, you know, when I think about Oakville Ranch wines, you know, whether it's our Chardonnay or our Field Blend or our Cab or in particular our Franc, you know, it has a mouthwatering quality to it. And there's a juiciness to it while there's also still this structure. So I would say the amplitude in the mouth is different where there's a lot of energy and activity without there being sort of this um, paucity of character, you know, so that the, the flavor concentration really comes across the entirety of the mouth as opposed to sort of a delineation between, you know, beginning, middle, and end. I love the, I love amplitude of the mouth. And, and I think we all need so to use great. the word paucity in a sense. <laughs> yes. That's the, the word of the day. So we have oh. in our, we have in our glass, the uh, Oakville Ranch Napa Valley cab. Um, we have the 2016 and Sheila told me to open it last night. So Julie looked at me when I walked in with a corked bottle. I'm I mean, like, mm-hmm. a, a cork in the bottle and then, you know, a, a glass obviously missing. And, um, and be- because she said it would really be interesting, and I wish Julie could have tried it before, but to let it breathe. And when I tried it last night, I could really feel uh, the opulence of it, you know, and it was, uh, it was like rich. And uh, but it also had a lot of that, which you were talking about, the volcanic, the the rocky kind of thing. And this morning, it's just mellowed out a little bit. And it's just it's just a beautiful, it fills my mouth. It's got a nice amplitude in my mouth. <laughs> no paucity there. No. We will not be having any paucity. <laughs> um, but I will say, and I'm not making fun, I do love good words. But anyway, this is just definitely a mouthful. And it seems like that fruit has had a full opportunity to wake up. So right. good job taking Thank a bullet you. there and opening that last yeah, night. Yeah, I did. I took it for the team. Sorry for the side eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about this 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 uh, cab that we're drinking. 
So uh, 2016, uh, you know, really a, a beautiful, beautiful vintage. And uh, it's drinking so lovely right now. And I am really glad that that you had a chance to open it in advance. Um, and I think it's, you know, you described it very well in terms of, you know, it's a beautiful wine, open it, drink it, you're going to love it, it's going to be gorgeous. But it becomes so much more and it really does need some some space to sort of stretch out a little bit. And I think that, you know, when we think about the way we approach winemaking at Oakville Ranch and, and the way we grow our grapes, it is about time and it is about attention and it is about allowing things to evolve, um, you know, at their at their own sort of natural pace. And, you know, I feel like my hope when people drink our 2016 and our other wines, that they are, you know, giving it time, paying attention to it, getting to know what it is. And because there is all of this attention sort of on a vine by vine basis, and we're really able to kind of dial in what the different blocks need from a, an irrigation standpoint and a trellising standpoint and um, pruning and all of that is to, to be able to give the vines the longest amount of time possible to hold on to those grapes and to you know get those tannins nice and mature, which a growing season like 2016 really allowed us to do. We didn't have any kind of panic situation where, oh my gosh, this is going to happen and we need to you know hurry up and pick these grapes or whatever. So I think that that comes across in the mouth of this mm. unrushed quality. So Jennifer, how long have you been making wine? You know, Sheila told us her path to get to Oakville Ranch. Mm -hmm. uh, what is yours? So um, my path, I grew up in Santa Monica. Uh, so I grew up in a beach town and I went to, to, to college a little bit further south at UC San Diego. And when I graduated, I had had some experience. I sort of had done it as a you know, I think there was like an extension class or something. A dorm room project? <laughs> a dorm, yeah. Well, and you know, I was 17 when I went to college right. and it was sort of the, it was the uh, craft beer boom <laughs> and I could certainly afford to make better beer than I could afford to buy. Um, so I think that sort of sort of started it. Um, and, and just the notion of, you know, fermentation and I had studied biology and biochemistry and um, ecology and, you know, I was looking at going into kind of a lab type career but um something i had spent a, a year a, a year abroad in spain and my dad was always an avid wine drinker and wine was a part of our home and you know the light bulb kind of went off for me that all the places in the world where wine is made and grown it, it's beautiful the weather is spectacular and the food is fantastic and um i think after having, having spent so much time in academia i the notion of having a product, having something I could put my hands on, something that wasn't this sort of, you know, esoteric truth search. Mm. Um, and so when I moved to Napa in 95, I started working for Augustine Huneus at Franciscan. Mm. And that is where I met Gary Brookman, who a couple of years later went to Oakville Ranch. And um, it was just about the time that, uh, Franciscan was about to, to sell. And of course, you know, I was in the lab and had no, no, no knowledge of that. But I went to Gary and I said, you know, hey, what's my next move? And he said, your next move is to come work here at Oakville Ranch. And that was in early January 1998. And wow. um, I basically have, um, in one way or another, been associated with Oakville Ranch ever since. Um, so at that point in time, Joe Cafaro was the winemaker for Oakville Ranch. And then um, Gary was the, the winemaker, worked alongside him. And um, 
and that was when I met Mary. And I would say, you know, there's some kind of, you know, I, I, I hope that there's a cosmic connection there because I hope that that would mean that I get to continue with my journey with Oakville Ranch for the rest of my career, because it has been, you know, the, the birthplace of my perspective on wine and to get such an amazing opportunity and experience so early in my career, um, you know, has been really eye opening when I came off the hill and went onto the valley floor or started making wine from a stagecoach or different areas and being able to see like, oh, the whole world is not Oakville Ranch. This is a very <laughs> special, distinct and unique place. And uh, so, yeah, they're going to have to drag me out feet first. It's like <laughs> Sheila. You, you leave Napa and you go somewhere else and you realize, well, you know, I think I'd like to go back to Napa. That sounds yeah. pretty good. <laughs> and speaking of mountain fruit, it's very... Um, it's a cool thing for people to point to right now, and especially as everybody's considering global warming and climate issues, um, when you're sitting up on a mountain, you're kind of sitting on tall cotton, as they say down in the mm-hmm. south, you know? Um, do you have any kind of plans in place, or does the winery have any plans in place as far as mitigation where that's concerned or evolving as weather continues to change? I would say absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, thinking about energy generation, I mean, we, um, and Sheila can probably speak a little bit more to our solar array because she's the, she's the the person who's most intimately involved with all of that that brings um, as general managers get to do all the fun stuff like permits and um, (laughs) (laughs) all the romantic stuff. Um, So, so, so certainly, you know, you know, so we think about solar, um, and, you know, you might say, why, you know, the vines don't need electricity. Well, our well pumps do. And so we think about water. And um, just last year, we purchased an adjacent property that has some additional well um, capacity, which, you know, keeping in our eye on that as a resource. But, you know, more than anything, conservation and being able to grow a vine that is, you know, healthy and integrous. So from start to finish, you know, from the infrastructure of the vine you know, um, you know, vertical shoot positioning used to be all the rage, but, you know, where we are, we recognize that, you know, our leaves are not only our solar panels for the vine, but they're also our canopy and they also provide shelter for the fruit. And, you know, um, the heat storms that I mentioned, you know, have really given us some foresight into maintaining some more, you know, canopy on the sun, the afternoon sun side in particular to be able to shelter that fruit zone. And um, we've also been employing some um, strategic shade cloth for the same reason. Um, and then starting in 2016, we began installing misters, which are a really efficient way of bringing the temperature down in the canopy zone. And, you know, really what we're trying to do is maintain our leaves. Um, you know, the fruit, as long as it can stay cool, it's going to hang on, but we need to make sure that our, our canopy maintains its its integrity. And then I think one of the things when you come up to Oakville Ranch that you notice when we come and we drive up and we d- dip down into our Vista vineyard is we have a lot of Eastern facing um, vineyards. So what that means is that we get a lot more morning sun, which is cooler, um, gentler, and then we can protect the afternoon side without sort of cutting off our opportunities for maturation. Um, so really in our, our row orientation, I mean, it, it doesn't just it starts really from the very beginning of planting your vineyard and then in the way we, we prune and the way we manage our canopy. So, you know, we are so fortunate. Phil Couture is our vineyard manager and he is, um, 
I think it's not an overstatement to say he's our he's a guru in in grape growing and particularly organic and biodynamic and sustainable, um, not just from the environmental standpoint, but from the human standpoint of paying living wages and um, that care of the caretaker of the vineyard. So, you know, it is a multifaceted plan in terms of how to deal with that moving forward. Yeah, Sheila, do you want to give us an update on on some of the solar stuff and some of the uh, sustainable things that Oakville Ranch is doing? Because uh, that is a buzzword right now, and it's something that people are definitely paying attention to. We've been very fortunate. Mary is a firm believer in solar panels and we, in solar in general, I should say, because we are Everything on this property is run off of solar. We just had a brand new, two new solar arrays put in for our wells primarily. And we are actually in the process of having the entire compound um, placed on batteries, on a battery backup. Because pulling out that Honda generator to run your refrigerator when the power <laughs> goes out during the heat storms mm-hmm. um, is is not fun. Um And thankfully, my wine cellar is very dark and very old and um, stays cool when the power goes out. But yes, we are firm supporters of alternative energy, um, especially when it comes to the vines. We actually have a trailer generator for the wells when the power does go out. So um, we take care of our plants here. That's important. Um. I was going to ask you kind of nerdy question. I mean, not like wine nerdy, but just like dorky. Um, <laughs> and I kind of feel embarrassed to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, one of the things. That was quite a setup there, by the way. Just now, now just, we're all. Let me just dismount and do a face plant into this. Jennifer, your um, your bio indicates that you are the um, aroma fan. You've played in the perfume bottles and things like that. And one of the things I've always loved so much about wine is not only how great it is, but then how it smells. Sticking your nose in a glass is one of the most, one of my happy places. Um, why is it that nobody can ever replicate the smell of a good wine in anything else? I have gotten so many Merlot candles that smell like nothing. Candles <laughs> cannot do it. There's no air freshener in the world. And I'm going to suggest not a car air freshener because that would be bad if you get pulled over. <laughs> yeah. But why can they never replicate the smell of wine? And with your chemistry chemistry background, I'm pretty sure you will have a, a pinpoint reason why. <laughs> um, I love this question. And, uh, and Sheila will attest that there is no question too dorky for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and I think it's a fantastic question. I would say, you know, the in, the difficulty in, in creating sort of, you know, emulating or recreating that experience is precisely why we do what we do, you know? Um, and I think, you know, when we think about what a wine is as an encapsulation and sort of a, you know, time in a bottle, so to speak, um, you know, I think there's, so many different compounds that are at play from you know not just the the raw material of the grape but you know what that grape went through that growing season and who touched it when they brought it off the vine and it is such a complex matrix that i think it is you know you can really only get a for lack of a better term you know cheap imitation of it it will be a facsimile of, of what you experienced. And I think also because wine is such a multi-sensory experience, um, you know, when you're, when I'm sticking my nose into that glass of wine, 
you know, yes, I'm experiencing what's there, but I'm also experiencing what's around me. I'm experiencing my Mm. mood. I'm experiencing who I'm with, what I'm eating, what music I'm listening to. And I think, you know, it has this, because it is a living thing in my mind, you know, wine is evolving and changing with us that, you know, being able to create something that can go through that same thing, you know, it's like why it's so special. If you could recreate it in a, in a candle or an air freshener, then I think it wouldn't be what it is. That's true. Well, there's so many other things I wanted to talk to her about, like the Cab Franc and and, <laughs> and how you sell grapes to some of the other most fantastic vineyards around. Why can't and I get we, a wine glass a, shaped car yeah. air freshener on my taxi? Yeah, that's 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 where you ended up for our Sorry. thing. Thanks. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're just kidding. You know, thank you so much for being with us. We've really enjoyed learning more about Oakville Ranch and the and the hidden gem that it is. We always like try to try and find those. Again, uh, General Manager Sheila. J- Gentry and winemaker Jennifer Rue. Thank you, ladies, for being with us this morning. We loved it and love the wine. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from the band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch, check out greatminds.org. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thank you for listening and happy Women's History Month. Under an August moon burning above